Welcome, everyone. My guest this week is Dwayne Washington, a senior consultant with 20 plus years of experience in BI and analytics in over two dozen verticals. He is the former BI manager at Dallas Fort Worth International Airport and the current CIO at the Business of Intelligence. He is also the author of the book Get in the Stream The Ultimate Guide to Customer Adoption, and his data warehousing and mobile solutions implementations have been featured in CIO Magazine and the Wall Street Journal. Dwayne is also a sought-after speaker and mentor for organizations striving to leverage BI and analytics to meet business goals, thus earning him the title BI Pharaoh. Welcome to the show, Dwayne. It's good to be here, Henry. How you doing? Pretty good. So, uh, you know, let's start at the beginning. The role of the CIO has evolved quite a bit. Could you explain what that role was and what it is today? So, you know, if we go back far enough, Henry, the, the role of a CIO was mainly around uh, hardware, um, and very primitive software solutions. In other words, things like keep the mail uh, email up and going, um, create an email server to begin with, go out and purchase Word and Excel and set up a network so that our people can communicate back and forth. It, it was pretty simple. It was more like keep the lights on, almost like a, a high-tech janitor, if you will, um, just kind of... Yep. Uh, what happened is that as technology evolved just a little bit, people knew, hey, we we needed some of this. Let's go grab a guy that can understand it and implement it to allow us to work a little better. And so they kind of uh, went and got this person to lay the groundwork or the foundation to be able to work. And at that point, kind of created a separation, if you will. But it was more of the, you know, setting up networks, the getting in infrastructure just at the base level to allow the business to be able to work back and forth. Right. And so how has that role changed and you know, what was the reason for that change? I really think that there have been two evolutions. And the first evolution came probably right after you bring these people in to be able to lay the found the groundwork and the foundation. And so as the foundation is being laid some kind of way, because no one else really understood this side of the business, uh, IT became its own separate entity. And because there was no way to do, uh, the business became to where there was no way to do business, almost no way to do business in an efficient way without utilizing IT. You, know, you couldn't send email without an email server. You couldn't create even a Word document without having Word in place. And if you had any questions on that, well, you had to go to IT to ask them. And so what happened is that IT began to grow not only in numbers, but quite honestly in mentality and in uh, the ability to beat upon our own chest. And so what happens with that is that we some kind of way develop this God complex and where everything kind of revolves around IT. We are able to say no to projects. We are able to say yes to projects. And you have this evolution of a separation of the business versus IT. Now I think the the pendulum is beginning to swing to the other side where it used to be all the power was on the IT side. Now it's swinging back to the business side in that there are all types of tools out there now that allow the business to be able to do basically IT work without utilizing IT. I can't tell you how many vendors will call up the business side of, of a company or corporation and say, hey, you can, you can utilize our solution, you can implement our solution. And one of the selling points is that you don't even need your own IT organization. 
And for that to be a selling point, that means a couple of things, that IT organizations have been a roadblock in the past and people are looking to be able to bypass their own IT organization so that they can get things in quicker um, and they can get them in, in some instances, less expensive. Because for years, IT has told them that, hey, this is going to take a long time, it's going to cost a lot of money, and I don't think you should do it. And so because now solutions are in the cloud, they're more nimble, people have different options. I mean, I can pick up my iPhone and create an infrastructure right now, um, literally in minutes that would have taken months uh, years ago and decades ago would have been impossible. So because uh, the IT has become more of a commodity, uh, now the IT mentality no longer works because the, the business doesn't have to go over to IT to ask them every question. Um, uh, a CEO, a startup CEO right now can implement uh, an email server, uh, go and get Google Docs in the cloud. They can do all of these things without utilizing IT at all, without having a CIO or, uh, or a CTO or even anybody who's remotely technical. They can do it all from an iPhone, uh, from an iPad, or just from their computer. And so things have begun to change. The power is coming back on the business side. And, and therein lies the the issue because we're in the middle of this pendulum swing. And it's interesting to sit back and watch it. So where does that leave the role of the CIO? You know, it sounds like you're suggesting other parts of the business are somewhat phasing IT out. Do you see this as a problem? And what does the CIO need to do about that? I mean, I've, I've definitely seen it as a problem. And it's one, unfortunately, created by us. I mean, we created it on the IT side and the business is solving that problem. I've seen entire IT organizations go away um, because of they were being a barrier to to progress really and so now we have the role of a cio and how it's changed over time before it was just heads down implement the foundation now cios have to be a lot more savvy number one they've got to bring out their eraser and begin to erase and blur the lines between it and the business it's all the business there's no finance in the business there's no parking in the business um there's no hr in the business there's just the business and so um, CIOs need to begin to erase that line and say, it's not us against you. We're all in this thing together. And that means that um, bringing, bringing the other side in and taking IT out into the other org uh, areas of the organization, embedding IT into business areas, embracing those business users who are IT savvy and utilizing them as an extension of your own organization. Looking at those same vendors that are calling your customers and looking at those people as viable options to be able to implement a solution. I mean, think about it. So just because XYZ company is in the cloud doesn't mean that you can't implement them just as well as your business users could. And then you can offer that service to your business users. They really don't care. I mean, if you think about it, they don't think that you're Microsoft. They don't think that you came up with Word or Excel or you invented Exchange. You provided a service for them. And if we continue to have that mentality that we don't have to create it, we can still go buy some off the shelf and implement it for our business users. Now, from a CIO perspective, that means two things, that you've got to have your foot in two worlds. Number one, you've got to understand technology. You've got to understand where it's going. You have to, you have to implement a... A, an environment that allows your people to go and explore new technology because, man, it's coming out. Uh, there, there's new stuff all the time. Literally, I can sit 
and what used to take a year and five million dollars uh, I can do in seconds I mean I literally can gra- literally can grab my iPhone right now and say hey look I want to spin up uh, 200 VMs and I can do that in a matter of minutes right and for pennies on the dollar and so the world is shifting and so you've got to shift with it and understand that mentality understand what a serverless technology looks like how do you implement a website without a web server i mean those things are there now so understand that side but you've also got to have your foot on the other side of the house and understand the business understand the business reasons the business questions you've got to be entrenched in there understand the why and when you really understand it well you'll be able to implement solutions that the business side of the house has not even thought of because they didn't know it was it was even possible because you're keeping in line with the technical side you know the things that are possible and because you're keeping your ear to the to the to the ground on the business side you know what the needs are and you know why they need it even when they haven't thought to ask for that. But if you just sit back and become an order taker, man, you're going to get replaced. You want to make sure you're entrenched on both sides, that you have your ear to the CEO, to the COO, understanding what the HR needs are, understanding what, what they are, and being able to listen to them with the lens of IT so that you can implement a solution that is going to allow them to do business better, which if you think about it, that's the reason IT came about to begin with. How do we bring technology in to allow us to do business better? And so now you have CIOs that absolutely, they almost have to be ADD. They have to have their foot in both places. (laughs) In a recent blog, you mentioned that CIOs say no a lot to his or her customers. Do you want to clarify that and talk about why that is? Well, what will happen is that customers come and they say, hey, we would like this. And IT says, no, no, we don't want to do that. And sometimes it's not as uh, blatant as no. They say, well, do you understand the complications of that? Or that's going to take a long time. Or that's going to cost a, a lot of money. Or that's going to cre- uh, create a, a, a security risk on this side or that side. And I think the issue, all of those things may be true, but the issue is that IT comes at it sometimes from a position of no. We start with no instead of starting with yes and how can we. So when a, uh, I'll give you a perfect example. I seen one time where uh, the the Apple TV was brand new. And my team mm-hmm. had implemented, my, I had a small team at the time, we had implemented that just in, in our small team, we had implemented Apple TV and we're utilizing that to be able to train people on these iPads. So we weren't, we're using a technology, but not showcasing the technology. Well, one of our customers, as we were showcasing the, the, the product that we had built for them, uh, they were intrigued at how we were able to show what was on the iPad on the screen without any type of wires. And so we told them about the Apple TV. And so they said, wow, that's great. And on the business side, within one week, they went and outfitted their entire, every single conference room they had, they outfitted that with the Apple TV, without IT. I mean, they did it all themselves and it worked great and it was, it was, it was phenomenal. Later, uh, maybe a month or so later, we were talking with the other sides of IT and saying, hey, look, we want to implement this Apple TV all over. And they were like, oh, well, we can't do that and this and that and oh, this protocol has to be followed. We're like, look, we can make this happen. This will be great for the business. It, it'll uh, empower people to be able to share and collaborate better. And we just kept getting no, 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 no. And finally, um, I said a couple of things. Number one, uh, 
my daughter can do this, right? My son can do this. And guess what? Our customers have already done it without you. And and I'm no longer asking you. you know, I was bringing you in to collaborate. I'm no longer asking you. I'm saying this is what we have to do. Their response to that, the now... Uh, fast forward a few months, we were able to get it done and, and Apple TV is being used everywhere. But their immediate response to that was to go over to the business side and decommission all of their Apple TVs. <laughs> that was as that's insane as insanity. Right. That's the opposite of what you want to do. Your customers have already replaced you. So they've already said, you know what, you're irrelevant here. And then to add fuel to the fire, to add insult to injury, you come and disable what they put up. Well, IT organizations cannot survive like that for very long. You want to erase that mentality. So when your users come with some idea, listen to that idea. First of all, quite honestly, if you're doing it right, two things will happen. Number one, they probably won't have to come to you. You'll come to them because you'll understand what their pain points are and be able to apply an, a solution to them when you see them going through the pain that they're going through. That'll, that's the first thing. Second thing, when they come to you, they'll come to you as a partner. And, and when they come to you as a partner is how do we come up with a solution to be able to fix this? When you start from yes, they already believe you're going to come and help them. And when you hear their issue, you should be able to start thinking of solutions for that. Don't automatically start thinking, oh, it's going to cost too much. We want to do this. It's going to take too long. We don't want to do this. Oh, it's going to be too hard. We don't do this. Well, the security implementations are X, Y, and Z. We don't want to do it, which is a lot of default for a lot of CIOs and IT organizations. I'm telling you, in the, later in the 21st century, that's not going to fly, right? You, you're not, you're not going to have a job long if you continue with that mentality. You will be replaced. And sometimes you won't be replaced with another CIO. You'll be replaced with other consultants. You'll be replaced with vendors that are coming in to do the job for you. Because I'm telling you, we're calling your customers and we're saying, hey, look, we can implement this with your IT organization. And when we hear that your IT organizations, your, your business organization says, well, you know what? Um, we don't work well with IT. Can we implement this without them? We're not going to say, well, we can't do it. We're going to say, yeah, we can figure out a way to get it done. And if we can figure out a way to get it done, then you and your own organization need to do the same thing. Figure out a way. Put your heads together. IT people are smart. They're brilliant. And so they need to say, how do we not? Here's the reason why we can't. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. So you you almost um, kind of answered, started to answer my next question was, how do CIOs start saying yes more? Uh, it, it's simple. It's become more of a partner, a business partner. When you really think about yourself as a business partner, like we're in business together, let's sit down and say how, because at the end of the day, most likely your goal is to be able to move the bottom line. If you're in a for-profit company, it's how do we move the bottom line? And if we move the bottom line, we all move it together because we're all in the same boat. We're all going to sink or swim together. So the question is, how do we move the bottom line together? And when you sit down with someone and say, let me understand where they're coming from. Let me understand their pain point. And let me see if I can come up with a solution that allows them to move quicker. And um, if you're entrenched on the business side, you want to answer the big questions because there will be some things that come along that uh, may make it easier for the business and it, it may make it smoother. 
Um, but it's one of those things where it's, it's not low hanging fruit and the return is not there. You've got to be able to discern those things. However, if you've got a good relationship with the organization, then whenever you do have to say no, because there will be some things where you'll have to say no or you'll have to say, well, how about this instead? Right. There'll, there'll be some times when you have to do that. Uh, but when you've got that great relationship with the organization and they know that you're for them, that if you if you're saying that, then it that must really be the case. And you're not just, you know, being the typical I.T. person and throwing up a red red flag or throwing up a wall or a barrier. You're really a partner. And so the way you start saying yes more is that you start understanding the business from the business perspective and start applying um, those types of of I.T. solutions to it without the business asking you. That, and that's the that's the key. Yeah. A lot of CIOs just sit and wait to be asked to do something. And then half the time they're saying no, or sometimes 95 percent of the time they're saying no. Well, if you're coming up with the solution to bring to the business, first of all, you're not saying no to your own solution. Second of all, how does the business feel? It's like, hey, I didn't even know this was possible. They can come in and this thing that's taking us two weeks to get done, they can automate it and we don't have to worry about it at all and we can concentrate on something else. Man, let's do that. Let, let's, let's jump on that. Yeah, we'll fund that. Let's get with it, right? <laughs> Versus yeah. being an order taker and having to say no to good and bad ideas, right? So there's a difference. So... What do you say to the CIOs that are mainly saying no because of their budget? You know, if you're spending 75% of your budget on maintaining and running existing hardware, you know, how do you start to allocate money where it's needed? Well, first of all, you got to start being creative. I mean, if, if you've got all this legacy hardware that you're running... Then you got to start looking at the cloud and say, does it make sense for us to, to move to the cloud and save some money? Does it make sense for us to consolidate? You know, right now we're spending a million dollars on SQL Server licenses or a million dollars on Oracle licenses. And I'm sure that, you know, Microsoft and, and Oracle would, would love that. However, you may say, how do we restructure these databases so that we're not spending a million dollars a year on it? We're, we're spending, you know, 500000 or 250000 How do we do that? Technology has changed. And you need to take a look and be brave. It's going to take some bravery because, um, and I, I talk about the cloud. The cloud is not necessarily the answer for everything. But how do we be brave and how do we restructure what we have so that we can do that? And let me tell you something, too. Whenever you become that partner to the business, and I've done it, whenever you become that partner, you will find money starts showing up. People start having yeah. money for things that they want to pay for. So it may not even come out of your own budget. People will say, you know what, I've got, I've got some revenue I can allocate toward that. Um, I've got some funding that we were going to use for this, but I tell you what, that sounds like a good idea. Let me move that money and allocate it to what you're talking about here. And so while budgetary concerns are real, the, the good CIO says, you know what, that's not going to be an excuse. How can I do that cheaper? How can I do that quicker? How can I be more efficient on this side? How can I save on licensing here? How can I save on hardware here? How can I limit my maintenance that I'm having over here? Let me look at my stack and, and realize that I'm paying 
um, five different software vendors for the exact same solution. Let me consolidate into one solution that I can do. And maybe, maybe I can even find this um, solution from a crowdsourcing perspective and not even pay for it. It may be open source in this area, but, but enabled to do that, you've got to be a proactive CIO. You can't be a reactive CIO. And so if you're in that reactive state, man, you've got to switch your, your whole mentality. And if you're not a, a proactive type person, then you need to surround yourself with some good VPs or, or AVPs that are those proactive type people so they can bring those ideas in and begin to transform your IT organization. Now, it won't happen overnight. But you've got to start putting those things in place. You can't just re you can't just sit back and say, well, it's because of the budget. I can't do it because of the budget. Well, we don't have enough money to do that. Right. Well, because people are going to get tired of hearing that and they're going to replace you. And I, I want I want you to understand that well, is that that's one of the trends that we're starting to see all over the world. CIOs are being fired all over the world and sometimes they're not being replaced. Now, not with another CIO um, um, person. So you want to make sure that you I, I'm I, I am a CIO. So, of course, I'm for all CIOs holding on to their position. And so this <laughs> is to help you and not to hurt you. Yeah. I, I know it may sound like I'm fussing, but I'm kind of like your grandfather right now. I'm telling you this so that I can save your life and save the livelihood of your family. You've got to begin to transform. And if you say, well, I don't have the budget, I don't want to hear it. You can set up an AWS instant for a dollar, right? You can set up an Azure yeah. instance. They'll give you like 200 bucks for free. So negative $200, you can set up a, an Azure instance. Google uh, Cloud, you can go set up something. It, all it's going to cost you is time to sit down and figure it out and bring your team in to figure out what types of things can we do. So I, don't, I no longer want to hear I don't have the budget because to implement some of these things and these ideas and do proof of concepts literally don't cost you anything but time and ingenuity and creativity. So go mine your team, find that ingenuity, find those creative individuals. And to be honest with you, sometimes they're not on your team. Sometimes they're over in HR. Sometimes they're in finance. And, that, and it's your job to go find those gems so that they can help you implement something that's going to move the business forward. So um, let's back up for one second. I mean, you talked a lot about um, being proactive as a CIO, not an order taker. What are some of the keys to being a good CIO, maybe on a day-to-day -day basis? Some of the keys to being a good CIO are very simple. And I, I'll tell you, it it's really goes back to some advice I got um, young. I was a young manager at GTE, may have been like 22, 23 years old. And my director told me something that I'll never forget. He said, Dwayne, hire the people you trust and trust the people you hire. And one of the keys to being a C good CIO is doing exactly what Jim Collins said in his book, From Good to Great. Get the right people on the bus, right? And then figure out where the bus is going. Um, once you have the right people and, and um, there's a book out, I think it's uh, Lencioni wrote a book uh, about hiring the right people or, or making sure that you have great team players. And there's three things about a great team player. They're hungry. In other words, they're wanting to learn more. They're humble, so they don't have the big head. And, you know, quite honestly, if we go to IT, we, you know, traditionally, because of where we came from, a lot of us had the big head, um, that God complex. And so you got to get rid of that. So humble, hungry, and smart. And I got to explain smart because when we talk about IT, we, we generally go to someone who is brilliant. But that's not what he meant when he said smart. 
He's talking about someone who is socially intelligent, somebody you can, you can sit in front of the CEO and have an intelligent conversation, somebody who doesn't hurt people all day and doesn't think that they're the world's end. And so they, they can say whatever they want to to whomever, someone who is a real team player. And if you think about somebody with all three of those things, hungry, humble and smart um, CIOs, for the most part, have to get people on the team who have those traits. Um, who are uh, all three of those because if they they're none of those they're not going to work good on a team they're not going to go over to the business side and be able to operate very well so first of all is getting the right people on the on the team getting the right team players period without the right team players you will go nowhere you can be a visionary all day if your it organization is out there hurting people um if you have a help desk that people call the no help desk then that's not going to work out for you i will never forget that there was a, a help desk I seen one time and the main person on the help desk was the meanest woman I've ever met in my life. And it was so bad that when you go out to the uh, business side, they would tell you when you call the help desk and you get this certain woman, hang up and call back till you don't get her. And that was the person bad. literally, if you walked up to the help desk, she was the person there to be able to quote unquote help you. And she was the most non-helpful person I've ever seen in my life. And I remember talking to that manager over that. And I'm like, why would you have the face of IT? Like, this is the face of IT. So to the rest of the world, to the rest of the organization, whenever they think about IT, they think about that help desk and who is there on that help desk, who is the main person there. Why would you have the meanest person in the world as the face of IT? Right. That's just rubbing everybody the wrong way every time they think about IT. That's the wrong thing to do. I remember a a, a, a CEO saying one time he owns a, a hospitality type company. And, you know, he's got accolades all over the world from all these different organizations being one of the best. And a colleague of mine asked him, why are you one of the best? And I'll tell you this story because it's where we get our own tagline from when we say uh, what we say and how we help people. But one of the things he said is that, you know, we have an organization that deals with people. He said the, the, there's a difference between how the rest of the world does it and how you guys over in America do it. He said, I don't know why in the world you'd ever hire somebody who doesn't like people. You know, why would you do that in an organization that deals with people? We would never do that. And he talked about all the things technically they do. But then he said, you know, there's two things that we do that are different. And he said these two words signify everything we do. And he said love and care. Uh, we provide service with love and care. And it's where we, we uh, as an organization at the Business of Intelligence, we have adopted that mindset as well. And it's one I've adopted personally is that we serve our customers with love and care. Love goes far and beyond. You know, even when the customer is messing up, you're going to love them through it. It's okay. Love covers a multitude of sin. It's going to be all right. Uh, and we're going to care about them. You care about people even when they aren't able to care about themselves. And so from right. a CIO perspective, you're going to have to implement that. You know, build the right team, have a concept of love and care, um, have a concept of how do I reach out to the other side of the business, right? You're going to need those things in place to be able to to build the right type of structure, right? But when you come from a place of yes, come from a place of love, come from a place of caring, bring on a team that does the same thing, they're going to serve. And, and once again, I've done this. And so, you know, when I've built a team that was centered around loving and caring, 
I used to get calls from VPs and AVPs and EVPs that says, you know what? I want to tell you about so-and-so. Oh, this guy was great. Oh, I was in the gym this morning and that guy, Simon, he was so great. He actually came and he heard me over talking that I had a problem with my iPad. He came over with me and he grabbed, he said, where's your iPad? It's in the car. He went to the car at six o'clock in the morning and reconfigured it all. So it was working perfectly for me. He said, I don't know what you're training those guys, but that is phenomenal. It's fantastic. And, and I told him the same thing. Hey, it's all about love and care. It's all about love and care. And so when you can, be, and I'm not tooting my own horn, I'm just saying that it works. <laughs> um, it definitely works. Yeah. When you build a team, you implement love and care, and you trust the people you hire to do the right thing. So the other side of that is I remember uh, one time um, there was a lot of things going on, and I was frustrated. And I remember um, I was on a call with my team. They were all in the office and I was on the phone with them. I don't know where I was, but I was on the, on the call and um, they were saying some stuff and I was just totally disagreeing. I'm 100% the opposite. No, this is guys. I don't agree. This is the way it needs to go. And they were like, no, we really don't agree. Um, and when I got off the phone, I realized something. I realized two things. Number one, I, I had to calm down, which means that I was yelling, you know, at some point at the team, I was like literally <laughs> had my voice elevated because when I got off the phone, I can hear myself coming down. And so if I need to come down, I must have been elevated. Right. Uh, number two, I only have smart people on my team. And if I have a team full of very if there's 30 really smart people and they're all on the same page and I'm on a different page, it might be me. And so I remember coming into yep. the office and saying, hey, guys, uh, you know, come on around. Let me first apologize. I, I was yelling and I don't I don't want to yell at y'all. There's some other things going around and it's, I think it's kind of frustrating me and I must have took it out on y'all. So I'm sorry. I said, number two, I've got to realize that if all of y'all on the same page and I'm not on that page, then I could be wrong. And so let's go with your solution. And and they were very gracious, like, oh, well, Dwayne, maybe you've got some more information than us. And I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to go <laughs> with the route you guys have picked because all of y'all on the same page. And let's go that route. And that goes back to trust the people you hire, man. <laughs> you hired smart people. So trust their right. solution. They're not always going to be right. Sometimes they're going to be wrong. And that's okay. Give them latitude to be wrong. Uh, our, there's a story that goes, and I'm not sure how true it is. And I, I want to say it was an IBM executive, but I could be wrong. Um, but, but a gentleman had made a mistake that cost the company about $750,000. And they asked the executive, man, are you going to fire this guy? He was like, no, why would I fire him? I just spent $750,000 training him. I want to get the best out of him. And that's an environment where somebody is able to make a mistake. And that's good because it allows you to be creative, right? You're not scared of doing something different. So CIOs need to create that type of environment where people feel free to be brave, right? To get out there, to take yeah. a risk, a calculated risk, um, but to take a risk. You know, I tell developers all the time, if you haven't crashed a server, man, you're not a developer. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> DBAs, man, if you haven't uh, deleted a database accidentally, man, you're, you're not a DBA. And so the, to get out there and to, to try things, to not be scared to try new things, but it's that CEO, CIO that sets the tone for that, right? If you haven't set the tone, if you set the tone for fear, nobody's going to take any risk. They're going to be closed vest and they're, they're not going to get out there and do the, the, the courageous things to be able to move your organization forward. You've got to set that tone. Does that answer that question? Definitely. So aside from uh, trying to avoid yelling at your employees, what are some other common CIO pitfalls or what do you want to avoid as a CIO? 
I think one of the big things to avoid, especially if you are a new CIO um, or new to that organization, a lot of times CIOs come in and they want to start implementing their mentality, right? You've got to realize that that company was there before you got there. And even if it was a struggling company, it was there before you got there. Learn how to listen. Learn how to understand. You know, as uh, the seven habits of highly effective people, uh, seek first to understand, seek second to be understood. I see so many CIOs that jump into new organizations and they just want to start making changes. Um, they just want to say, OK, it needs to be done this way. And, and if it was done so great, then they wouldn't have brought me in. That might not be the case. There may be some other things going in. And, and I would say for the even though you want to come in, you want to make your mark. I understand that you need to spend about a year really listening really listening, listening to all levels of the IT organization, listening to all levels of the of the business side. You want to really understand before you begin to start making changes, because I've seen so many times they misstep, thought they understood something and made a wrong step. And what happens um, when you start really making wrong steps? I say all the time, Henry, good people have options and great people have choices. In other words, if you're a good employee and you're good at what you do, you're always being presented with options to be able to do something else, maybe to go get another job or whatever. If you're a great employee, a phenomenal employee, you can choose at any time to do something different. You can choose to start your own company. You can choose to go work for another company. Um, Those are people who can choose to go work for a company and that company doesn't have a position for them but will create one for them. So there are those types of people at organizations. And when they say CIOs start making, quote unquote, dumb decisions without listening that they feel can affect their future. Those good people begin to exercise those choices and those uh, those options and those great people start exercising those choices. And you're left with yeah. what's left, you know. And so like which that. are not good people and not great people. And you're left to try to build an organization with, with what's left people who can't go anywhere else. And so you don't want to begin making those those pitfalls. Don't go in and just start changing everything up because you feel like you've got it. Um, also, begin to have conversations with all levels of the organization, including your own. So if you're a CIO, sit down with the DBA sometimes and just shut up. <laughs> just listen. Watch what they do. <laughs> yeah. Like Not in a meeting somewhere. Just go sit down at the desk sometime and listen to them and hear the frustrations. And because sometimes those middle managers will crush those uh, those gripes that they have just because they don't want them to go any further. And sometimes they're legitimate problems. Uh, And sometimes those people have great ideas to save money, to do things more efficiently, but they don't have anyone's ear. So go down and and skip. Not it doesn't have to be formal. Just go down and and talk to them. Um, Talk to a web developer. Talk to an ETL developer so that they know you're approachable. Everybody says, hey, I've got an open door. And whenever you walk past yeah. it, it's closed. Um, or the or the uh, assistant is stopping you before you get any closer. Get outside of your glass palace and go sit down with the DBA. You know, go sit down with some people so they understand it. And do the same thing on the other side. You know, when's the last time you went and talked to a financial analyst and see 
how that software is going. You put eBusiness Suite in, you just released it last month, sit down and ask them how they're doing. Don't just sit in meetings for their AVPs and VPs to say how it's going. Go sit down and talk with them and see what their frustrations are. See if you need to put together a training right. program for them. So if so those new new CIOs sometimes forget that. Now the folks that have been there for a while, you know, sometimes you got to go back to basics. Uh, putting training programs in place. That That's the, for whatever reason, that's the big thing I see missing in a lot of places is that, you know, you put out this new software and there's no training for it, especially not ongoing training. <laughs> Help those people out, man. I mean, uh, first of all, bring them along in the journey. And I, I'll say this too, Henry. So as far as what they can do to avoid the pitfalls. Another thing is that when you get ready to implement something, you know, I wrote a whole book called Get in the Stream, The Ultimate Guide to Customer Adoption. I wrote that book because I hear a lot of CIOs complaining about, hey, we rolled this out and nobody uses it. You know, we've got the, these new um, BI reports in place and nobody uses, uses it. We, we went out and spent, you know, $6 million on this brand new piece of software and nobody's using it. And they're complaining that nobody's using it, but there's a reason nobody's using it. And I will use a particular example that I've seen one time. I remember walking into the office one day and... Um, there was a there was a video camera on my like a webcam in the package on my desk. It was weird. I'm like, where did this come from? And I checked with other people around and everybody had them. Like everybody in the entire company that had a computer had these little video cameras on their desk. I had no idea where it came from or why it was there or no one knew. And come to find out, um, there was a portion of the IT organization that decided we're gonna roll out webcams. Okay, but they didn't tell anybody. They didn't train anybody on them. They didn't say what they were for or anything. They were just laying there. Consequently, a couple years later, those uh, most of those webcams were still in the package in, in the bottom of somebody's drawer. And that's what I call a horrible implementation, because, number one, did you even check to see if I wanted this or did you sell me on why I really wanted this, but I didn't know why I wanted it? Did you tell me it was coming? Did you tell okay. me how to use it? Did you give me some some ways I could use it? Did you train me after the fact? Did you even tell me that it was going to come and what it's used for? None of those things happen. And that's a horrible implementation. Therefore, you get no usage. Because, number one, you can't answer the very first question of, why do I even have this? And so as you get ready to implement something, number one, at, you know, I write a lot, of, a lot about why, you know, and I won't talk too much about it, but knowing why you're going to implement something bringing the business in, working together, understand what business problem you're solving, and keeping those people engaged to the entire process. That is important. And so if you're going to have something that's going to be usable to the business, as you begin to implement it, and implement it, and I'll say implement it in an agile format, go study that if you're not familiar with the agile methodology. If you CIOs, if you're not using that, you need to be using that, period. I don't care where you are, from manufacturing to wherever, you need to be using that agile implementation, If you're that methodology, if you are implementing anything from a software or development perspective. Because that way, your users can begin to see what's taking place. They can see it shaping up to say, yes, that's what I need. No, that's not what I need. Let's begin to make some tweaks. Yes, I know that's what I said, but that's not really what I meant. Let's make some changes. Um, and understanding yeah. why a customer is asking for something is much more important than asking than understanding what they want. What they want is going to change 40 million times. Why they want it won't change at all. So understanding that yeah. um, and missing, I think, uh, goes a long way to missing those pitfalls. Okay. Uh, last CIO question. Um, 
I believe many perceive the CIO position as uh, kind of unglamorous. It has that uh, maybe reputation. Why is it good to be a CIO? I mean, I you know, I would have to, to um, on one end, I would agree. On the other end, I would disagree, you know, because I remember sitting with uh, a friend of mine at a conference and they were being they were being awarded. And I didn't know they were being awarded. They got the top award. And he looked at me and he said, hey, Dwayne, I want you to come on stage with us and I want you to bring your teammate here. You come. And so we, we all there on stage, on the big stage. And it was great. And I said, man, you know, I really appreciate this. A lot of times um, CIOs or a lot of times IT people uh, don't get the opportunity to be on this type of stage in this kind of light. And, and, and on one end, that's true. On the other end, I've got to sit back and say where this IT journey has gotten me when it, when it comes to being glamorous. You know, I've I've eaten in the best restaurants. Um, I've been on the most expensive yachts in the world, um, been featured in some of the most prestigious magazines in the world, um, talked to um, you name it. And, and I've just been able to live a really, really cool life because of this IT thing. Um, I know that on one side, it could be, you know, as your head's down, worried about the network. No, there's no glory in that because people are not concerned with the network until it doesn't work. <laughs> and when the networks becomes a don't work, uh, then you get negative press. But no one praises you when it's working great. I get that. But now CIOs are in a different position um, that we don't have to just look at one side of the house. We don't have to look at just one side of the implementation. We can look on the development side and we can begin to implement new and cool things. You know, right now we're changing the way youth organizations work worldwide. We're implementing something that allows us to be able to uh, track children in a different type of way. That is a really cool thing and no one in the world has done it. It's a neat thing to be able to do and implement. Um, me and a, a colleague of, right, uh, of mine right now working on a television show will be able to bring data to the masses. I think it's exciting because there is not one area of the business that doesn't include IT, the business, business intelligence, analytics. Like, And now it's exciting because the rest of the world is waking up to business intelligence, analytics, predictive analytics. Um, even though they may not know what it's called, they, they're open up. They can get that mentality. They can get that mindset. You know, people are are downloading apps that are tracking their spending patterns um, and saying what they project, what they're projected to spend. Well, that's BI, you know, that's analytics, that's IT. And so now is the most exciting time in, in history to be living and being in this industry because, you know, if we go back 40 or 50 years, nobody thought this would catch on. You know, I was taught yeah. to program in fourth grade using a, um, a, a programming language called Logos and programming a, a little turtle to do things um, and, and writing in basic language, 10, print, 20, go to 10, you know, and 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 so no one would thought that would become the way the world gets run. And so right now it's exciting. And so 
one on one end, I, I see why people would say, you know, it's not glamorous. But on the other end, man, I've been able to travel this globe. I just got a call yesterday um, to go out to Sweden uh, and speak from an IT perspective. Now, I'm excited about that because the day before I wrote my list for 2018 and said the one of the places I want to go in 2018 is Sweden to stay in the Ice Hotel. And here it is the very next day, get a phone call that says, hey, look, you want to come to Sweden? Well, I'm not coming to Sweden because I look great. I'm coming to Sweden because they want to hear about IT related stuff. And man, if that ain't glamorous, I don't know what is. And so I think that we have a great opportunity to bring glam to IT. Well, that's a great place to stop, Dwayne. Thank you so much for being on the show. No problem, Henry. I I appreciate you having me, buddy.